This is 1988 Tops, where every card has a story to tell. Your hosts are David McKellis and Matt Kuzma. Let's play ball. Welcome back to 1988 Tops. David, what's our card for this week? Matt, our card for this week is card number 273, second baseman, third baseman for the Blue Jays, Garth Orge. Garth Orge. Garth Orge. I have to say, I had no idea how you were going to pronounce that. I intentionally did not research the pronunciation of this player's name. It's spelled I-O-R-G. And of all of the pronunciations, I'm not sure I even imagine that that was going to be the correct one. Until this week, I did not know the correct pronunciation <laughs> of this man's name. And part of that, I think, is he was a relatively under-the-radar guy. He didn't play beyond 1987. He was was a platoon second baseman, third baseman for the Blue Jays. I've never seen a name like that. And I think that I would have, I think when I saw the card, I would have pronounced it Eorge or Iorg. Iorg is kind of, I was thinking of uh, your, like how the singer, the Icelandic singer Bjork is actually pronounced Bjork. I thought that this would be Jurg or something like that, like Jurgen Klinsman. According to a 1985 New York Times article, the name is Danish and pronounced Orch. And that is also on baseball reference, just O-R-J, pronounced like orange with no N, Orch. Mm-hmm. This card was suggested by listener David J on Twitter. Thank you, David. And we had a lot of good suggestions come in after I put out the call on Twitter. I was feeling a little uninspired. Nobody was jumping out at me this week. We will work through those all very good suggestions over the next few weeks. So how are we going to, with someone named Garth joining joining the podcast this week, how are we going to, how are we going to deal with this today? I think we're going to have to go through the hierarchy of Garths. We're going to have to... (laughs) Go through great Garths of the globe, talk about Garths in baseball, baseball Garths. And we can also talk about Garth's brother, Dane Orge, who also had a successful baseball career. And we're going to have an addition to the 1988 Tops uh, music playlist today. Ooh, ooh. Can't wait for that. Sounds like a great rundown. Let's go to the front of the card. I'm pulling this up on the Jumbotron. Against it, again, this is card 273 and in the beckett guide uh david it pulls up the opg version which is fantastic so we'll look forward to the back of the card with that to get some french language practice for you starting with the front of the card we have what i have to say is another kind of poor image quality of garth taking a grounder at third base and he's in mid throw uh, to first base with the blue, a dark blue, Blue Jays uniform, white pants. The belt area is a tri-color belt. It looks like it is a dark blue, white, and light blue around the belt line. Just pretty sharp, I think. I think it's actually a pretty good-looking uniform. A blue cap with the white front and a blue I Jays. do like this Blue Jays logo. This is a good Blue Jays hat. The Blue Jays 
came into being in 1977, and this was their original logo. They changed it at some point in the 90s, and then they made this like muscly bird with a maple leaf <laughs> tattoo. That one was pretty <laughs> terrible. But they went back to the classic logo and now have something very similar to this to this original logo. Yeah, I can see in fact, you're sporting a, a cap with that kind of logo right now as we record this. It looks very good. I think that when they redesigned it in 2012, they sharpened the beak and kind of made it mm. a, a sleeker look. And yes, the maple leaf by its ear as well. Great. But I think it's a it's a good classic logo. So let's go to the back of the card now. And again, I've got the OPG version here. For listeners who haven't heard our previous episodes dealing with the Toronto Blue Jays and Montreal Expos, OPG is a publisher that published cards in the top set and focused on Canadian teams and Canadian players. But the card numbering system is the same. And so we go to the back of 273. You've got Garth Orge, third baseman slash second baseman. He's 5'11", 175, right-handed batter and thrower. Drafted by the Yankees originally. Garth was born in 1954 in Arcata, California. And that's in Northern California. He had two brothers who also went on to play baseball professionally. Both Lee and Dane played at BYU, and then went on to be drafted into the major leagues. Lee made it as far as AAA. Dane had a relatively long career in the majors. But the name Garth was kind of interesting. I was thinking about whether or not there are many babies named Garth these days. doesn't seem like a popular baby name, and, and maybe that has to do with Wayne's World and people thinking of Garth as the Garth Algar character on Wayne's World. But in 1954, this was peak Garth. <laughs> in 1954, it was the 444th most popular name in the United States, according to the Social Security Administration. Wow. After 1954, the name Garth fell out of the 1,000 most popular names by the time the 80s rolled around. And then it made a comeback. And it was up to 658 in 1992, which was the highest garth year since the 70s that's got to be due to wayne and garth i think it might have more to do with garth brooks ah true what about jenny garth because 1992 was certainly the height of beverly hills 90210 maybe i don't know if people were there a lot of babies named Priestley that year <laughs> but it should have been or dylan but by 1993, it dropped to 969 and then dropped out of the top 1,000. Mm. In 2020, it was the 12,845th most popular name. I didn't realize there were that many names. But either way, not a ton of babies named Garth these days. Listeners named Garth, we would love to hear from you. David, I am also reminded of the name Gareth from the office in the British version, the original Ricky Gervais office. Yes, Gareth was the Dwight Schrute of that series. I found an, an article from MedievalScotland.org, not .org, concerning the names Gareth and Garth. Oh and thank goodness. you, Josh Middleman, for pointing out that the name Gareth was invented in mid-1400s by Sir Thomas Mallory for his Mort d'Arthur, about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. 
he created the name Gareth. And Garth had been an existing name going back to the uh, ancient Norse. It was a fairly common Norse name. So Garth predates Gareth, and they are not the same. Get out of here, Gareth Bale. You are no Garth. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Tom Mallory. However, when we get to baseball Garths, uh, there's been seven Garths who played in the minor leagues throughout history, including a guy named Garth Dragon. Oh, so man. Going back to Sir Gareth, he might have fought the Garth Dragon. One of the other Garths is Garth Kale Orge, who went by Kale Orge, but he only played in the minor leagues, did not make it to the major leagues. He is the son of our, our named Garth on this card. Only two Garths have ever played in Major League Baseball. One is Garth Orge, and the other is a guy named Garth Mann. Matt, a couple weeks ago, you were talking about Thoreau, so I'm going to bring up uh, Longfellow. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Garth Mann played in something called the Evangeline League. And I don't know if you ever read the Longfellow long-form poem Evangeline about the expulsion of the Acadians from Canada. But mm. it's beautiful. It's a, a great story of um, a woman who sent from Canada to Louisiana. The Acadians became known as Cajuns. Uh, that name was morphed into Cajun. But Garth Mann played in the Evangeline League for a couple of years. He was uh, finally called up to the Cubs. He was a pitcher, but he was called up to the Cubs, played in one game as a pinch runner, and he scored a run, and six days later was sent back to the minors. So oh, that's man. the only other Garth to ever play in the Major League Baseball. He played five more seasons in the minors and never made it back. So to quote Longfellow, fair was she and young when in hope began the journey, faded was she and old when in disappointment it ended. So for Garth Mann, his long career as a baseball player ended in disappointment, having only made it to the majors for one game and play one inning as a pinch runner. Well, I love bringing Henry Wadsworth Longfellow into the podcast today. I'm really moved by hearing these words. And also the name Garth Mann. Garth Mann. We have Garth Orge. We have Garth Dragon. It's, it's like an allegory for... For all of humanity and, and the struggle that we are in in 2020. I love it. We've talked about a few Garths here. Matt, do you have a top five Garth list? Well, we've mentioned many of them already. You know, Jenny Garth, although that's the last name. It was the first kind of name that comes to me. And Garth from Wayne's World. You mentioned Garth Brooks. Those are those were three on my list. One other was Garth Crooks, not to be confused with Garth Brooks. Garth Crooks was an English footballer, played for Stoke Spurs, West Bromwich Albion. He was the first uh, black chairman of the Professional Footballers Association. He's now on um, TV as a soccer pundit in England. Garth Hudson from the band, who played keyboard for uh, the band. Yes. But uh, Garth Brooks is top of my list, and mostly for his version of Colin Baton Rouge. One of my top five favorite songs ever. Colin Baton Rouge is a fantastic song. Thunder Rolls always gets me. Garth Brooks was a high school multi-sport athlete. He got a track scholarship to Oklahoma State, where he competed in Javelin. Hmm. And then in 1999, he decided that he wanted to try out for the Padres. You know, Garth has had a few careers... He was Chris Gaines for a minute. <laughs> that worked out about as well as his baseball career. He 
spent some time in spring training with the Padres, Mets, Royals, and Pirates. So he would go play a little bit in spring training. For his career, he went two for 42. He got one hit in 1999. I think that earned him a hug from Frank Thomas when he got to first base. And then he got another hit in 2004 for the Royals. You know, it's spring training, but it still counts. It was spring training, but it still counts. In in what way did it count? It counts for me. Yeah, okay, good. It counts for our purposes here. And and it counts on, on the Garth ranking system of baseball Garths. Very good point. Most recently, he played for the Pirates in 2019, but I don't think he made it into a spring training game. But another great Garth of baseball. Another great Garth. David, let's go back now to Garth Orge and his career. As we said, Garth was born in Northern California, drafted in the eighth round out of College of the Redwoods by the New York Yankees in 1973. Played a couple seasons in the Yankees farm system and had a decent minor league career. And this leads to the fun fact, which I won't read in French today, that Garth led the Florida State League with 20 sacrifice hits at Fort Lauderdale in 1974, and that he recorded 599 hits, including 94 doubles in 669 minor league games. Well done, Garth. Not a very fun fact. We actually get to 1976, and he was acquired by the new expansion team in Toronto. So he was drafted by the Yankees in 1973, and then drafted again in November of 1976. Yes, that season, the Blue Jays and the Mariners were able to draft players from an unprotected list from the rest of the major leagues. Garth is picked by Toronto. Then in 1977, he spends the year in AAA, hitting 290, so steadily getting better at every level of the minors, and finally makes his debut for the one-year-old Toronto Blue Jays in 1978. So that debut season, he plays in 19 games and gets eight hits out of 49 at-bats. It's not that many. And you can see that his slugging percentage was exactly the same as his batting average, which means that all of those hits were singles. Not a fantastic start uh, for young Garth. So after that 78 season, you can see on the card that It goes 78 and then 80, and there's no real break in there to tell that he spent a year in the minors in 1979. Playing at AAA, he again hit 281, and then in 1980 hits 299 for the first part of the season and gets called up again, this time for good. And when I say for good, I mean for good because he never left the Blue Jays. That was the only team he played for. Yeah, so he... Ends up playing for the Blue Jays for eight more years uh, in the majors. So let's talk about his big league career. We didn't really talk about it when we looked at the front of the card because the card was really only showing Garth in a throwing motion. But Garth Orge is best known in the big leagues because of his stance. Can you describe this for us? Yes, we will put a video in the show notes. This video has uh, really all the things that Matt, you and I could hope for. It has Garth Orge against Roger Clemens. It has audio of Adlai Stevenson giving a speech over it. (laughs) What? And Dave Brubeck music playing. What? Oh my goodness. This is But this is, I think, the only video that I could find without going through a full 
Blue Jays game from the 80s of Garth at the bat, he stands very far back in the box. He's a right-handed hitter, so he's standing way far back in the box, leaning all the way back on his right foot, and then his front foot is on the toes. So he's he kind of like rests on his toes, and his bat is all the way up over his head. So it's hard to tell from straight on, and we'll also include a link to this 1986 Topps card that shows him with a bat in his hands. His hands are up above his head, so almost like Julio Franco, but also way back, leaning back in the box. He would use this stance and kind of reach out across the plate, hitting singles to the opposite field was Garth's specialty. Just a slap hitter, never really had much power, but had a strange batting stance. Yeah, David, I'm looking at some pictures here. He's got his plant legs straight underneath the middle of him, and then he's rotated his whole body 45 degrees. It looks like a yoga pose of some kind or a very awkward bird. In either case, it's amazing. So we've we've got the stance. So 1980, he gets called up. He becomes a utility Garth. Yes. He played in every position except catcher, pitcher, and right field. He played the majority of his games at second base. And the Blue Jays in 81, their third base spot was filled by a guy who went on to a very long career in basketball. (laughs) Danny Ainge was playing third base. He was pretty young when he was with the Blue Jays and not great. I think he was hitting 210, 220. He played a couple seasons before deciding that the Celtics were a better fit for his skill set. Ainge does not stay in the league as long as Garth. 1982 brings us into the era of Mullenorge. And I'm wondering if this is if this is a reference to the Tolkien books in Middle Earth. Yeah, it could be something from, like, Scottish history. No, this is the platoon between Garth Orge and Rance Mullenix. Both of these guys played 100-plus games at third base in 1982 for the Blue Jays, and they continued to kind of switch off for the rest of Garth's career. Rance was a lefty and Garth was a righty, so they would switch off even mid-game depending on the handedness of the pitcher. And this season, Garth was pretty good. He hit 285, clearly making a lot of contact. He didn't strike out a lot, but he had very few walks, like historically low levels of walks. He had 12 walks in 1982. Very little power and not many steals. Smolenix also only had four home runs, so not really getting much power from third base, which nowadays is unheard of. And the team was 78 and 84. So relatively average, but this was the last losing team that Garth played for. The Blue Jays went on a pretty good run for the rest of the 80s, as we talked about in the Tom Hankey episode. We promised a follow-up to listeners about the Blue Jays' music. And it's time now, David, to get into uh, a song that came out in 1982, 1983. And that is the song OK Blue Jays, performed by Keith Hampshire and the Bat Boys. So let's listen to a little bit of that here. It's the last Our guys are winning. Dave's put down a smoker, a strike, and you got no doubt. What do you want? Let's play ball. Okay, okay, okay. 
when I first listened to this, I thought that this song sucks. I really yeah. did not like it. I, I think that the chorus had potential, but the rest of it sounds like a bad Randy Newman song. Mm, yes, yes. They walk through like the basics of baseball. It starts with, you've got a diamond, you've got nine men. Like, thank you. You've described baseball. I think there's a real missed opportunity here, too, because of so many great songwriters and musicians from, from Canada. This is around the time when Rush was in their prime. Yeah, uh, they could just so, play, like, also the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald mm-hmm. could be played. There's no Neil Pert on this on this song. And nowadays, you, you could do a Drake remix featuring The Weeknd. What I do like about this, this is a song about the Blue Jays. And I kind of like that. In the videos, you do have people like singing along with this not very good song. But when they're all singing the chorus, it's kind of fun and stadium specific. And I like that. Also, the fact that it is not, it's not overly braggadocious. It's very nice. And part of the team of writers, what they were told by an executive, Paul Beeston, who went on to, I think, now he's like president emeritus of the Blue Jays because he's been there since the beginning. He told them, we're a new team. We've only been around a few years. We don't want to promise too much, but we want the song to be fun and something that people can sing along. So they just said like, all right, okay, Blue Jays. They're, they're okay. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the most Canadian thing I've heard today. We're, we're going to do a fight song for our new baseball team, but we don't want to promise too much. We'll be okay, Blue Jays. So that's that I think sums up 1982 pretty well. 1983 and 1984 are good seasons for the Blue Jays. In 1983, the Blue Jays finished 89 and 73. They were in fourth place, nine games out of first place. Garth hit 275. In 84, they finished second to the Tigers, but they were 15 games behind the Tigers. And Garth slumped to 227. So he was still platooning at third base, sometimes filling in at second. I think as we talked about in the Tom Hankey episode, 1985 was a very good year for the Blue Jays. They ended up going 99 and 61. They made the playoffs for the first time in their history. They had a a solid team put together with Jesse Barfield, George Bell, Lloyd Mosby, Tony Fernandez. Their pitching staff had Dave Steeb and Jimmy Key and 27-year-old rookie Tom Hankey. Those playoffs, David, the 1985 playoffs, featured a battle of the orges. Orge battle. (laughs) The first orge battle in Major League history. In this playoff series, this is the first time in an LCS that you had brothers playing against each other on opposite teams. Dane was nearing the end of his career playing for the Royals, He had already won a World Series in 1982 when he played for the Cardinals and actually was a star player in that 82 World Series. He hit 529 as the DH for the Cardinals. Garth said that he thought that the rest of the family was rooting for him to win in this ALCS. He said, I don't think they'd say it to Dane's face, but he's been on a World Series winner and I haven't. And unfortunately for Garth, the Royals won in seven games. Garth went two for 15 and played in six games, but only a 133 average. So he had a pretty rough go of it. Dane had four plate appearances. He had one hit and two walks. So it was decent. But Dane was, again, a star in the World Series. 
a famous moment from that 1985 World Series. I guess a trigger warning for Cardinals fans. Don Denkinger making a bad call on George Orta, calling George Orta safe. The bases end up loaded. Up to the plate comes Dane Orge as a pinch hitter for Dan Quisenberry. He gets a bloop single to right field, scores two to win game six, sending the series to game seven and ends up winning the World Series for a second time. So a good year for Dane. Gets his second World Series ring. Sorry, Garth. It's a good year for the Orge family, although sorry for Garth. So 1986, Garth hits 260. He has the most games of his career this year, 137. And so he is playing very uh, regularly. So how about 1987, the last season listed on the card? Garth was not expected to play much in 87. The Blue Jays had Kelly Gruber at third base, who was going to be their long-term third baseman. They had Mike Sharperson, who was going to play second base. But that didn't quite work out. They actually ended up trading Mike Sharperson for Juan Guzman, which did work out. Juan Guzman went on to be a great pitcher for the Blue Jays and a part of their World Series winning teams. But now they had a hole at second base. Garth plugged in. He played 91 games and covered some at third. But as you can see on the card, he only hit 210. And the team, as we've discussed in the past, really fell off at the end of the year, losing their last seven games of the season. Garth himself also fell off. He hit 154 in August and 059 in September and October. In the last game of the season, the Blue Jays were 96 and 65. They'd lost six games in a row, and they were one game behind the Tigers. They were playing Detroit at Tiger Stadium. So if you win the game, you go to a playoff, lose, and you go home. It was a 1 0 Tiger lead going into the top of the ninth inning. With two outs, Garth Orge is at the plate. And he grounded out to Frank Tanana to end the game and end the season. And as we later learn, that ends his career. He knew that it was over long before this game started. He said that he hurt his neck earlier in the season and he didn't tell anybody about it. And all year he said he was fighting to to get his neck right. And he just couldn't do it. He, he wasn't sleeping right. He was trying to go to a chiropractor. Garth's game was reaching out across the plate flicking the ball to the opposite field, and he just couldn't do it. He couldn't stretch like that anymore. And so that last out of the season, Garth's career as a Major League Baseball player ends, and this is his last baseball card as a player. So overall, nine seasons for the Blue Jays, batting two fifty eight with 20 home runs and 931 games played, and was the career leader for the Blue Jays in pinch hits, and he goes into coaching afterwards. Yes, he coached at all levels of the Blue Jays minor league system. So everything from single A to triple A, he was the manager of their triple A team. He also served as a third base and first base coach for the Brewers and at one point managed the German team in the World Baseball Classic, at least in the qualifiers. We'll have to dig into the World Baseball Classic in a future episode because we've had several key managers brought up on the podcast so far. But let's go ahead and close the book on Garth. This is the most Garth content we've ever tackled. So now after doing this research, what what's your view on Garth? I think that this is the most Garth heavy podcast episode. Maybe maybe of all time, yes. Garth Orge was a tie between some bad 80s Blue Jays teams and the 
the solid team of the late 80s and early 90s. And it's too bad that the two best teams that Garth played on didn't make it to the World Series, and he didn't get that chance. It's also an interesting sign of the times, the platoon. Garth was the righty in a righty-lefty platoon at third base. You don't really see that anymore. As we've talked about with pinch hitters, you don't see righty-lefty combinations all that much. Sometimes a team will try it, but part of that has to do with the number of pitchers who are on a team. And now changing pitchers every inning is much more common than changing fielders. In 2019, the Blue Jays had 39 pitchers throw in at least one game. In 1982, they had 36 total players. Oh my gosh. They only had 13 pitchers that year. They now are using up bench space on extra pitchers, and you don't really have space for the number one Garth in baseball history. I I don't know if he makes it into our top five all-time Garths list, but he's number one in, in baseball. And he was an okay Blue Jay. Thank you, David, for that. And thank you to David Jay, who suggested Garth. Ending today's show, we are going to end with the song Echoes of November by Dick Allen and the Ebonistics. In honor of Dick Allen, who passed away recently, he played all over the major league and is a favorite of the podcast here. And so that's in his honor. So thank you very much. And we'll see you next week.